Welcome to Double Booked, your place for library news, book recommendations, and reading banter, hosted by WML librarians Erin Driscoll and Danielle Masterson. Uh, we are broadcasting from WCTV Community Television Studios in Wilmington, Massachusetts, and we want to thank WCTV for allowing us to use their facility and equipment. Uh, this month, we are taking a look back with some historical fiction recommendations, uh, but first things first, Danielle, what counts as historical fiction? <laughs> it's it's quite a debate, Erin. So historical fiction is usually defined as any fictional work that takes place in the past. But when I dug a little deeper, our friend Google returned some search results from the New York Book Editors Group, which claimed that historical fiction books must take place at least 50 years in the past. So for our purposes, that would be any time before 1972. But Masterclass had a much broader definition, and they said that uh, it's any time period in the past. They also added, though, that uh, a lot of historical fiction works center on a specific historical event. So in that case, books set in 2001 featuring the September 11th terrorist attack would be considered historical fiction by Masterclass, but oh. not by New York book editors. Which seems a little odd because I I definitely, whenever I give out historical fiction books to patrons, I always go with the broader definition. I, I tend to agree. I like that broader definition because, first of all, if we're heading back to the 70s, like, there are <laughs> a decade past that where I haven't even been alive yet. So I feel right. like if I'm reading a book set in, you know, the, the <laughs> early 80s, it's historical fiction to me. <laughs> Absolutely. When I, uh, we had a project for some sixth graders where they had to pick up historical fiction. And what I kept saying to their parents was these kids were not alive 12 years ago. <laughs> so anything that was, you know, 2010 really and earlier for those kids is historical fiction. Yeah. I kind of think of it as like if the author had to do any research at all, even if they were alive yes. during the time, if they had to, you know, look up like, was this out at that time? Was this released? Like, did we have this technology? Yep. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. what were the limitations of living in like 1995? Like, yeah. I feel like that's historical fiction. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. And I use that much broader definition when picking out my books for this week this month's podcast. Okay. Well, I will say if anyone listening is feels that historical fiction should stick to the more stricter definition, all of my books do take place prior to 1970. So All right. Mm -hmm. So I I followed those rules unknowingly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um I it's funny. I only kind of realized after we chose this topic that I do read a lot of historical fiction. It's not really a genre that I like knowingly seek out. I guess I don't I don't always think of it as a solid genre like on its own. Yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. um like if it sounds like a good story, I'll read it whether it's, you know, contemporary or, you know, took place someplace in the past. But um I the first place my mind goes because <laughs> there are so many of them yep. when I think of historical fiction is World War II fiction so I'm going to get that of course all the way up, up top I feel like World <laughs> War II fiction is its own genre at this point yes yes yeah. it's mm -hmm. there's there's tons of it it's also one of the like I feel like history class 
for me when I was in school was like the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and World War Two. Yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. Little sprinklings of incidents um, besides that. Yep. <laughs> but um, that being said, uh, I really enjoyed the book um, "All the Light We Cannot See" yeah. uh, by Anthony. Door? Door? I, I think it's door. I think yeah. it's door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you don't have to take my, world, my word for it. It did win a Pulitzer Prize for fiction. <laughs> um, so you can trust them. <laughs> I don't know. I only trust you, Erin. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, it's set uh, kind of 1930s into the 1940s. Um, and it focuses on two uh, main characters, uh, Marie Lore, I think. Excuse any of my French pronunciations in this segment. Um, who is a, a blind French girl uh, who is living in her uncle's house in uh, Saint Malo, France, um, which I also feel like I'm not pronouncing correctly. Um, having fled uh, Paris after the Nazi occupation there, um, her father worked at the Museum of Natural History in Paris and uh, has been entrusted with. There is like a light mysticism to this book, I'll say, but you don't have to believe that it's true to okay. enjoy it. <laughs> the book does not require you to. Um, he's been entrusted with either the original or a copy of this diamond, the Sea of Flames from the museum, um, that is said to grant immortality to anyone who holds it um, at the cost of great misery to everyone else around them. Okay. So mm-hmm. you don't have to believe it's true. Not all the characters believe it's true, but <laughs> it is yeah. an item that is sought after. So okay. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it, the other person it focuses on is Werner, who's a, a German boy. He's an orphan who's accepted into milita- military school uh, for mm-hmm. his radio technology skills in Germany. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, is obviously eventually enlisted into the... Yeah, the German army. Um, it, it, and obviously, they're it's two main characters, so their fates eventually they will <laughs> will intersect. Cross, will yes. intersect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's just it's a really lovely book. Um, the writing's very poetic, but it's not like overly romanticized or like sentimental, which I feel yeah. like sometimes historic fiction can fall Definitely. into. Yeah. Um, and it's just. I, I just really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give another, uh, a quick, I don't have a long description for this one, but a quick other World War II book that I would recommend is The Book Thief uh, yeah. by Marcus Zusak. That is a YA book, actually, but yeah. I think any adults, you will certainly also enjoy it. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, and that uh, follows uh, Orphan, a lot of orphans in these books. Yes. <laughs> um, the orphan girl, uh, Liesel, uh, she's a little German girl who's uh, sent to live with a foster family um, who she learns are sheltering uh, Max, who is a young Jewish man uh, in their basement. And it's the kind of twist of the book thief is it's narrated by Death, uh, capital D, Death, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Grim Reaper, yep. um, uh, who has become kind of fascinated with Liesel. Uh because she's this little girl who's been like surrounded yeah. by death, um, but mm-hmm. that's also like oh, just so good. So yeah, two World War Two books to start us off. Excellent. Danielle, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. what did you bring us? I I brought us to a much um, closer time period than World War Two. 
Um, my first book is also, uh, I guess it's more of a middle grade fiction. It's more for, you know, grades three through five. Um, but I read this as an adult and I loved it. So the book is called Moon Boy, The Blunder Years. It's <laughs> written by Chris O'Dowd and Nick Vincent Murphy. And it's a novelization based on the TV show Moon Boy which uh, was shown in the UK, but made its way over here um, via PBS and streaming services. So um, Chris O'Dowd, for anyone who doesn't know who he is, he um, is Roy in the IT crowd. He was oh. also in <laughs> Bridesmaids and uh, a bunch of other uh, really great shows. So he is, um, what he did was he created this series uh, called Moon Boy, which is loosely based on his own life. And uh, Chris grew up in Boyle, which is in County Roscommon in Ireland. And uh, so this the story follows Martin, who is basically Chris. <laughs> and uh, Martin is 11 in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, so he's close to my age, which is... Uh, when you're reading historical fiction and you're using our broad term, I feel like um, I feel like I like to go back to time periods that I lived through and see them through to someone else's eyes. So for this, it was um, really cool because I got to see Ireland, and you. It's one of those books that, <laughs> for this time period in Ireland, does not focus on the troubles, okay. which is nice. <laughs> it is just basically Martin is the only boy. Um, with three sisters and uh, his parents. He's totally fed up with being the only boy. So he decides to go along with his best friend, Porrick, and get an imaginary friend. So the book um, veers off from the series in that Martin, in the series, Martin is just with Chris O'Dowd as his imaginary friend. In the book, he gets this awful imaginary friend named Loopy Lou, who is incredibly annoying. <laughs> and uh, so he spends the whole book trying to get rid of him. <laughs> and uh, so Chris O'Dowd's character is Sean Caution Murphy, and uh, the, the most common name in Ireland. <laughs> and um, so Sean helps him with the situation and winds up sticking around. Um, I actually chose... I read this as an audiobook because I wanted to listen to Chris O'Dowd. Yes. And he narrates the whole thing. He does all the voices. And um, I also really love the TV show. So it was a really sweet read. If you've never seen the TV show or even if you don't really know who Chris O'Dowd is, it's still a really good read from the late, um, late 80s, early 90s. And um, he does a tremendous audio version, which um, I think I either picked up on Libby or Hoopla. I definitely it was on one of our services. Of our services. I'm just not sure which one. Um, so it's a really fun read. Yeah, I didn't. I had seen that it was a show. I never knew it was a book. Ooh. Yes, there's three books. Um, we definitely have here in America two of them on our different services. The third one I struggled finding on our booksellers, so I'm not sure if that one ever made it over. Or sometimes the books will wind up in the UK first, and we get them like two years later. So there's still still a chance we might get the third one at some point. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I will say. Brief note, if you are looking for another 1990s set Ireland um, show, big shout out for Dairy Girls. Oh my um, gosh, I love Dairy Girls. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, another great, like, they're 
high schoolers yes during mm-hmm. the troubles but and the troubles are you know ever present mm-hmm. in the background but mostly yes. like mm-hmm. they're annoyed that like good bands don't perform in Northern yes. Ireland and stuff because of the troubles like <laughs> when they try to go find take that yes <laughs> yes <laughs> um just a fantastic, a fantastic so great show that mm-hmm. does that does capture that. Yes. I, well, I assume captures that era. In, yes, in Ireland. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my next pick uh, brings us a little further back, summer of uh, nineteen sixty-eight. So, okay. so within mm-hmm. our our uh, stricter rules, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is another book that is. Uh, you don't have to take my word for it. It has been well awarded. <laughs> Um, it is actually middle grade fiction, which I don't really read a lot. Well, yeah. at least not since I was middle grade. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I had to read it for library school and I just loved it. Um, one Crazy Summer by yes. Rita Williams Garcia. Yes, this and is a good one. Mm-hmm. So good. And as I said, it's you know National Book Award finalist, uh, Coretta Scott King Award, Newbery Medal Honor, yes. Scott O'Dell Award for Historical Fiction. So, mm-hmm. um Again, you don't have to take my We're not the only two people who (laughs) like this book. book. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It centers on three sisters, uh, Delphine, Vanetta, and Fern, uh, whose father sends them um, to spend the summer with their mother in Oakland, California. Uh, Mm -hmm. The younger girls are thrilled. They're imagining kind of days spent at Disneyland and like Mm -hmm. just this great like kind of mother-daughter reunion. but in reality, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. their mother is, you know, she's very distant. She, she's not, she's never really been interested in, mm-hmm. in being a mother. Um, mm-hmm. And they mostly kind of have to fend for themselves. Beyond, um, she does send them to like a community uh, summer camp run by the Black Panthers, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a big change for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. As uh, Delphine says at one point, uh, we didn't come for the res- revolution, we came for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's. It's a really funny book, um, yeah. and it's also, it's just such a nuanced book. It covers these really, like, mm-hmm. complicated and, like, challenging topics and such, well, it, but balances it with being so funny and, like, so lively still. Um, yeah. It's just really a gem of a book. Yeah. Um, and a time that I didn't, you know, know much about from a perspective mm-hmm. that I, I hadn't seen in fiction before. Yeah. It's just What's fantastic. interesting with, with that book, too, is that, they uh, they really get into how the Black Panther Party did a lot of things for the community, like free breakfast, and it's something that I think has been lost in in like the storytelling as the years go by. And they're starting to kind of pick up on telling those different stories about the Black Panthers now. But you know, when that book was written people weren't focusing on the fact that, you know, they were responsible for free breakfast in Oakland for kids, you know, and right. it's more of the uh, the militant part of the Black Panther Party that had been promoted, not promoted, but just kind of told through the years. So that I found that when I read that book, I found that very interesting. Yeah, yeah, there was a, mm-hmm. a lot to learn in it for me. And I it just, and the writing is marvelous. Like, yeah. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's so... There's just so many lines that I would love to like just write yeah. down, write down somewhere and remember forever. Yes. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, yeah, one crazy summer by Rita Williams Garcia. And that's also a series. So if you read that book and uh, people like it, you can also find. I think there's 
at least one, maybe two others. Yeah, I think with it, the I same characters. Three, three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna take us even. I'm gonna take us really far back for my next pick, and uh, we're going back to Victorian England. And uh, much like my last book, <laughs> I picked this book because there is a uh, movie version with uh, my favorite actress, uh, who's Keely Hawes. Keely, if you're listening, I love you. Um, so this book is called Tipping the Velvet by Sarah Waters. Um, Waters only writes historical fiction. And if you take anything out of this podcast, read Sarah Waters. You can read any book and love it. But I went with Tipping the Velvet because it was the first book I had read of hers, and it's also her first novel. Uh, so the story is the story is about Nan Astley, and she um, is in a bit of a countryside. She sees Kitty Butler, who is a male impersonator, uh, performing at a music hall. And in the 1890s, this was a common thing for women to perform as men. And so Nan eventually meets Kitty, and the two become friends. And uh, Kitty spends the whole music hall season in Nan's area, and that's how they're able to meet and become friendly. Um, But then Kitty has the opportunity to go to London to perform, and she invites Nan to go with her as her dresser. And uh, later, she becomes her stage partner. So the two begin performing together as a duo. Uh, during the time, they do begin a romantic relationship, which is something you don't often see. You don't see lesbian relationships in Victorian fiction that much. Um, and it's something that Waters made a point to. She loved the time period, and she's also a lesbian herself. So she wanted to tell like stories that would appeal to her mm-hmm. and and wind up appealing to all of us as we read through them. So um, their relationship is kept hidden and Nan winds up uh, navigating not just this relationship with Kitty, but also um, just her whole life in general. Um, Waters is really great. There's, she has a, a lot of different historical periods that she writes about and she is just like you feel like you're there as you're reading them. Um, this is a book that I probably read. I mean, it was written in 1998. I think I probably read it in like, I don't know, 2012, 2013. I still think of these two characters. They stay with you. Um, and I, I do like the Victorian era. So um, I would highly recommend Tipping the Velvet, but also any of Waters' others' his, historical fiction. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went pretty far back <laughs> with mm-hmm. my uh, my last recommendation um, back to 1596. <laughs> mm. Yes, that is very far back. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. it is about 400 years further back in the past than I usually <laughs> read about. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> um, and it is Hamnet uh, by Maggie yeah. O'Farrell. Mm-hmm. Um, this book has a lot of like elements which are usually like immediate no's for me. <laughs> First yeah. of all, being set so far back in the past. Yes. <laughs> Second of all, you know, right on the book jacket that this book is going to be sad. <laughs> and yes. usually I have to be tricked into reading sad books. <laughs> um, it is about, um, you know, 
Shakespeare had a son, yeah. Hamnet, uh, who died at age 11. And a couple years later, uh, he, Shakespeare writes the tragedy that we all know, Hamlet. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Which I guess at the time, Hamnet and Hamlet were like essentially the same name. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, Maggie Farrell has to do a lot of creating around these this set of facts yeah. <laughs> um, because there's very little known about uh, Shakespeare's wife and, like the actual lives of his wife and kids um, other yeah. than like you know names mm-hmm. who they married deaths <laughs> did, did Shakespeare have a son named Hamnet yes yes Ari- that is so true. that that part is yes, yeah yes. oh I I did not know that <laughs> yes. and I took a year of Shakespeare in college <laughs> yes. yes he had um, three children mm-hmm. um, and and his wife they're they're all based on real you know their names are are down in the records yeah we don't really know anything else about them other than like who Mm -hmm. they married and when they died um so obviously she has to do a lot of uh takes a lot of liberties here Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's just um just a oh it's just such a really good book (laughs) (laughs) i I will also say you do not need to know a lot about shakespeare to enjoy this book Uh, yeah he is obviously a character in it, but he's pretty peripheral. Uh, they never actually even name him. Like he's referred to as like the writer, like mm-hmm. her husband. <laughs> like he's like just he's not the focus. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll say. Um, and it, essentially, Hamnet uh, dies during a plague. So yeah. obviously, in light of our last few years, yes, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot to <laughs> to. Uh, You'll relate. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's very sad. I loved the audiobook. I had to stop listening to it in the car because I was <laughs> becoming a road hazard. Um, <laughs> because I would start like weeping. <laughs> but it's, it's it's no good to weep at a red light. <laughs> no. And it's so hard to recommend a sad book because it's like, you will cry. <laughs> but, right. mm-hmm. but it's a really like cathartic book. And I... I love a book that makes me cry when I feel that it has earned it. And yes. this book certainly earns it. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you don't leave feeling like manipulated into crying. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's also just, I, it's not like it's this like huge bummer beginning to end. It's very vivid. It's kind of funny in places. It's, it's, uh, she just really breathes a lot of life into, into these people in this time. Um, and it's just it's just a fascinating read, uh, yeah. Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. <laughs> Excellent. I actually had that on my. Um, I have it on my Goodreads as a book that I want to read, and uh, I haven't gotten to it yet. I'll push it up on the list. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I recommend that you do. Excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, until next time, keep an eye out for our. Uh, new uh, September October program list yes Mm -hmm. Uh, if you like history I think you'll find something Mm -hmm. something there for you too yeah Yeah, we have a ton going on at the library on both floors uh, both youth services and adult they I've seen both of the brochures they look amazing and it looks like we have a full slate of programs coming up so Mm -hmm. uh, until next month Uh, Keep on (laughs) reading. Yes, absolutely.